This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Hello, and welcome to the 127th episode of Self Work, or welcome back if you've listened before. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. I'm a clinical psychologist, and I've based my practice for the last 25, 26 years out of Fayetteville, Arkansas. I started to podcast two and a half years ago or so because I wanted to extend the walls of my practice. To those of you who might already be in therapy or might be very interested in emotional and psychological topics, or to those of you who more recently have been diagnosed with anxiety or depression, or have run up against a relationship issue that's got you mystified. And of course, that third group that I like to talk about, those of you who might never consider darkening a therapist's door, but are curious about what therapy is like, what a therapist might sound like. Now, of course, this isn't therapy, but hopefully you'll be getting some ideas from me about what that therapy just might feel like. So welcome to all of you. I want to thank those of you that in late April have left me written reviews on iTunes. It is so helpful for me when you do so. And somebody gave me a one-star rating, but they didn't explain why. And you know what? I would like to hear from those people as well. If you don't like it, why don't you like it? What would you like better? But I'm delighted to read some of these reviews to you. This podcast helps me cope with my feelings, helps me feel less alone, and most of all, less clueless. Wow, thank you. Someone else says, Dr. Margaret is transparent about her own struggles with anxiety, which is refreshing and comforting. She genuinely wants to share her knowledge with others so that we can do our own work, and she does so in a calming, non-judgmental way. Dr. Margaret, you've helped me so much by informing me, understanding my needs, and making me feel less lonely. We all can feel so lonely. Someone else says, I just started listening and I really like it. I wish it was longer. I could really use more feedback. This is an interesting comment because a large majority of the reviews tell me that they love the length. So, you know, if there are more of you out there who want a little more information, let me know. I can always add a minute or something like that. I'm trying to keep it in between 20 and 24 minutes, something like that. And then the last one says, that they're the perfect length, and that she looks forward to hearing the next podcast. All of these are so kind and really do give me huge motivation to either get up early in the morning or use some of my weekend to produce and to record one more podcast. I don't know how long I'm going to be going, but I'd love to hear from you your own thoughts about that. So you can email me at askdrmargaret at drmargaretrutherford.com would love to hear your own story about why you listen to self-work. Today, however, we're going to be talking about manipulation, specifically two different styles of manipulation. One is called stonewalling and one is called gaslighting. John and Julie Gottman have researched the factors that cause divorce to be more likely, and the major four are contempt, criticism, defensiveness, and then stonewalling basically refusing to communicate. Now, that's not the same as perhaps not being capable of handling the emotions of the moment or trying to protect yourself from getting triggered by something that's been traumatic. That's not necessarily manipulative, but stonewalling definitely is and can certainly be viewed as a way of grabbing control. We'll also talk about 
gaslighting. I'm including links to describe these things in detail. Gaslighting is often used by sociopathic or narcissistic people to achieve a sense of control and domination over their partner. It's really awful when it's happening to you. And then our listener email today is from someone who's beginning to realize that underneath the anxiety that she's really focused on is a lot of sadness, and she isn't quite sure what to do about it. So thank you for being here. These are kind of tough topics. If you see yourself doing this, or you see yourself as being the recipient of this, I hope that you'll do more reading. Maybe look at the links in the show notes. And of course, you can always email me or seek your own therapy. Today, we're talking about ways that you can manipulate or be manipulated. What's the purpose of manipulation? To gain control and to leave the other person completely in the dark about what's truly going on. I've often said to my own patients that I wish I'd gotten the training to detect when someone is lying, that that would be very helpful in my line of work. I can tell sometimes, especially when things just don't add up, but any of us can be manipulated because a lie, a twist of the truth, a taking advantage of someone's insecurity or over-responsibility is easier to do than you might think. I mentioned Julie and John Gottman in the introduction, and I've talked about them before here on self-work. They call the four major communication patterns that they see in people who are likely divorced as the four horsemen of the apocalypse, referring to what precludes the end of a marriage or a relationship. The four major patterns are showing contempt for each other, and this doesn't necessarily have to be verbal. You can be rolling your eyes or sighing or looking off in the distance as somebody talks. The second is being defensive and not taking responsibility. The third is being highly critical of each other, constantly berating one another, constantly saying, you're just not doing that right, or you don't know what you're doing. And the fourth is what's termed stonewalling, refusing to communicate. And that's what we're going to be focused on today. When I see and hear these four patterns in a couple that I'm seeing, it's so painful to watch. They may even make a bit of progress, both nodding their head and agreeing about something. Oh, okay, I realize that. But almost immediately what follows is, but I wouldn't do it if John would stop talking about my parents, or none of this would be a problem if Jane finally got off her ass and got a job. It's as if they are drawn to blame and defensiveness, like a moth is to a flame. I always feel very sad, and what I often do is talk to them about my sadness, and then I list for them Gottman's four horsemen. Sometimes the look in their eyes is pretty startling. They may look shocked or even a little ashamed, but the patterns can be so entrenched that it's more than difficult to turn them around. If it's one person who mostly does the controlling and belittling, then I can see how the other is losing their entire sense of self. They can even become submissive, absorbing the blame for the stated unhappiness and chaos. These are the people who come to therapy for me to fix their partner. So what does stonewalling sound like? We go days without speaking to each other. We take care of the kids, but that's it. Can you imagine being one of those kids? Your parents going weeks without speaking? I often think of it like this. Think if you were playing with a puppy, and all the puppy wanted to do was be loved. 
Then you suddenly walked out and shut the door. What would the puppy do? They would come to the door and scratch and then bark. And they'd gradually begin to whimper and cry as they scratch some more. That's what it feels like to be stonewalled. So what do we as people do? We try to cajole. We get frustrated. We try everything we can to get the person to talk with us. Sometimes we decide, well, we won't talk with you either. But it's only until the stonewaller is ready. Only when it's his or her decision to talk will they talk. I made the point in the intro that needing time to think or having a slower process than someone else, that's not stonewalling. However, if that's the case, you still need to communicate that with your partner. Tell them you care about what y'all are arguing about or fighting about. You care about their opinion, but you need more time. And then y'all discuss a time to get back together and talk when you're more prepared. But stonewalling can be very, very damaging. So what do you do about it if you're being stonewalled? You set a boundary. You don't buy into the silence. You take care of yourself. You don't get emotionally rattled. And you realize that their choice to stonewall is just that, their choice. It's hard to maintain that boundary, but it's possible. You don't chase after them. You simply notice. You could even comment that when they're ready to discuss the conflict, you're ready to do so. But leave it at that. Hand the responsibility for their choice back to them. Now, interestingly enough, it's very likely that they'll escalate if you handle it calmly and tack on even more time just to see if you'll crack. But you can maintain. I'll say something more hopeful. Certainly as a therapist, I've helped stonewallers who want to change realize where they learned this habit. Probably their parents did it, so they watched it a lot. Or they become avoidant of conflict, not realizing that trudging through arguments or disagreements can lead to even greater intimacy for the very reason that no one walks away. You can be angry, you can be mad, you can be disappointed, and no one walks away. Sometimes if a stonewaller can get that through their head, they'll say, wait, it feels like abandonment to the person I'm doing it to, and that's not fair. Now let's turn to gaslighting. This is something that sociopathic and narcissistic people do quite regularly to their partners that are trying to have an emotionally intimate relationship with them. They will intentionally twist your words, actively dispute your reality, pull the rug up from under you and watch you fall and then blame you that it happened. It can be subtle. They might say things like, I don't know why you would think that. Maybe you're tired and, you know, you get overwhelmed pretty easily. Too much more in your face. Do you think you need to go on medication? You're so upset and, frankly, there's no rational reason to be. Or, I've never abandoned you. That's crazy. I've been the one you could always rely on. You've had issues with trust because of your dad leaving. In fact, I'm getting really tired of you seeing me as if I were your dad all over again. You can hear in these statements, these accusations, that your reality doesn't matter. Your perspective is completely discounted. Your feelings are invalidated. And you, you can feel as if you're losing your mind. I found an article, which will be in your show notes, that categorizes the different means of gaslighting. The author, and I'm probably going to badly pronounce her name, Alethea Luna, I believe, 
describes the six techniques used. All of them count on you trying to understand, you being willing to take your share of the responsibility of whatever feels so wrong. In fact, narcissists are often drawn to people who have absolutely no trouble taking responsibility. In fact, they could even take too much of the responsibility. And so they can use and manipulate your very desire for things to be better, to become less conflictual. When they manipulate that, then that makes you question your own perceptions and accept much more of the responsibility for the problem than is yours to take. Again, sometimes to the point where someone believes that there's something horribly wrong with them. I've seen this. People come in and say, I needed to come into therapy because I think I'm going crazy. My partner tells me that my thoughts just are so irrational and don't make any sense. And I'm beginning to question it myself. I must need to go on medication or something. And of course, sometimes I may be dealing with someone who's depressed or overly anxious and their thoughts are leading them astray. But when it's this presentation, when this is someone who's been manipulated by a sociopath or a narcissist, they begin to tell me about events and episodes that have occurred that because I can be more objective, I can often see, wait a minute, there's nothing wrong with your perception. You're being manipulated. So let's look at Miss Luna's six techniques. First, discrediting. They make you think that you're crazy, irrational, or unstable. They'll often talk behind your back and tell others that you're not yourself, that you've been struggling, that they're worried about you. This happens a lot. The second one is they use a mask of confidence, assertiveness, or fake compassion to make you believe that, you know, you have it all wrong. So you begin to doubt yourself and believe their version of past events. They'll say things like, Oh, I remember that so well. I remember John was there or Jackie was there. I'd recently talked to her and she remembered that too. I I don't know what's wrong with you. Have you been sleeping okay? Is something wrong at work? Something like that. You've got to remember that narcissistic and sociopathic folks do not have the capacity for empathy. So they don't really care what kind of impact that their words are having on you. The third thing they do is change the subject. They'll divert to another topic by asking a question or making a statement that's usually directed at your thoughts. They'll say things like, is that another idea you got from your best friend or your family? You know, you really shouldn't spend too much time with them. I don't think they have a very good effect on you. Or they'll actually tell you that you're imagining things that never happened. This can really make you feel insecure. The fourth thing they do is minimize. They trivialize how you feel and what you think. And why are you being so sensitive? You don't need to get so angry over a little thing like that. I was just joking around. They'll mask their own agenda. The more they see you crumble, they'll know that their techniques are working. The fifth thing she cites is denial and avoidance. They'll out and out say, you're lying. I never said that. Or I don't know what you're talking about. Again, not ever saying, well, I don't remember it that way. Tell me what you remember. Maybe my own memory is faulty. They will never, ever do that. And the last is twisting and reframing. When the gaslighter subtly twists what was said or done into their favor, they can cause you to second-guess yourself. Now, I didn't say that. What I said was, and whatever, 
I didn't push you that hard. I, I, th- I think you lost your balance. Or they'll say, if you remember correctly, I was actually trying to help you. Again, questioning, questioning, questioning. If any of this sounds familiar, then please go to a therapist who can help you. There are other complications of being in a relationship with a narcissist. So you might want to check back to episode 19, and I have that link in the show notes as well. Good luck to you. Our listener email today is from someone who is very anxious and has been anxious for a long time. She's very spiritual, but she's looking for some answers about what's underneath her anxiety. She opens, I'm so glad to have run into your website. Where do I even begin? I've been dealing with so much anxiety for the past year. I'm very spiritual and always try to meditate and journal, learn more and more about myself. However, since the anxiety took over, I've been terrified to look into myself. My need for control increased significantly, and more anxiety kept showing up. I'm even afraid to be alone. I've sat down and written about it, which is great, and I'm realizing that these triggers are associated with things that happened years ago. I'm terrified to let go, and I know that I can't live my life this way. Recently, through meditation, I noticed that underneath all that anxiety is sadness. I know this because I don't have panic attacks. I have panic cries. It's this feeling of a super heavy chest or heart, and I feel like crying, but sometimes the tears won't come out. They only really come out when I'm panicking. I went to a holistic therapist. There I was smiling as I told my therapist that I found out who my real dad was at age 13. I felt nothing. I know that I've gone through my entire life putting pain in some box in the back of my head. Whenever I would feel sad or uncomfortable from childhood to adulthood, it always showed an anxiety, shaking on edge, trying to control, but most importantly, trying to seem perfectly fine. It's what I've always done. I've been having a really rough couple of weeks. It's hard to feel okay. I either feel super anxious and controlling or sometimes angry and frustrated, or I just feel super low. So this morning, I prayed and asked for guidance. When I got to work, I had this thought that maybe there's no specific answer. Maybe it's just pain from all of my suffering that I've never let myself feel. I decided to Google emotional pain, and it took me to your website, where I read your articles on perfectly hidden depression and how it's basically me. But I also have no idea where it's coming from, what it's about, and I have no idea how to even deal with this. How do I start? I just subscribed to your podcast, and I'm super excited to listen. I want to know what else you might recommend or suggest. Do you offer any online sessions? What other resources should I look into? Do I really benefit from a therapist? Or is this a journey I can continue on my own? I opened my email to her with an apology because it had been quite a few weeks after she wrote that I got back with her. I was in a real crunch with a book. But this is what I said. I'm so glad to hear from you and realize that my work has been helpful to you. I promise you, you're far from alone. Right now, probably the best books on the market are Dr. Brene Brown's work on perfectionism and vulnerability. And in fact, she has a new presentation or show basically on Netflix that I watched yesterday and is phenomenal. It's funny. It's poignant. It's extremely powerful. Brene Brown has researched shame and vulnerability and scarcity and gratitude and writes eloquently about it. Her books are The Gifts of Imperfection, The Power of Vulnerability, and Daring Greatly. 
any of those books would be helpful. As far as getting a therapist, your prior experience is one I've heard too often. I may have left out the part where she left her therapist because she didn't really think she understood her. You may not fit criteria for classic depression, so you fall through the cracks. I've even advised others to take a podcast on PhD or Perfectly Hidden Depression to a session and play it for the therapist. Let them hear what you're responding to so strongly. If they still don't get it, then find someone else. I know that can feel like a lot of work, but it can be very powerful and very important for you. You're obviously someone who's put a lot of thought and effort into your own growth. It may be that something else is going on in your life that has triggered you and that is bringing these things from your past to the surface. But that's certainly possible, that this has been nagging at you for years, and now it's becoming worse because something is triggering you. Something's boiling up in you that has been there all along. Right now, I don't offer online sessions, although that may soon be a possibility, but there's a special certification I have to get. Thank you for being a listener and take very good care. Several of you have reached out to me and I'm so flattered by this and asked me if I do online sessions or online therapy and I have looked into it. I'm a little bit adverse to it because I'm such a strong believer in that the relationship between a therapist and a patient is very, very healing in and of itself. But I have considered at least doing consultations online. As I've looked, there is a specific certification that you can get that at least gives you some modicum of protection and gives the client, the patient, also protection. So I'm looking into that, and we'll look into it more if any of you are interested. I want to thank you for being here at Self Work today. For those of you who've hung out and listened to this whole thing, I do have a question for you. I've hired a publicist for the book, and they're talking to me about having more guests on the podcast. And I wonder, one, what would you think about that? Would you still enjoy the podcast if I had more guests? I notice that when I have had guests, they're not necessarily as well listened to as some of my others. But perhaps I could get different kinds of guests. That would be more interesting to you. So if you have someone in mind or you have a podcast that you listen to and absolutely love that has to do with mental health or emotional health, then let me know and maybe I'll contact them to try to set up something. Again, I want to offer you what's helpful. As I've said earlier, you can email me at askdrmargaret at drmargaretrutherford.com. That's confidential. Please feel free to leave me a rating or review, as I said much earlier in this episode. Hop on over to Instagram. I'm doing something fun over there called What I've Learned as a Therapist. And I've been going now for 72 days at the time of this recording, and I'm going for 100. I'm having a lot of fun just wandering around my house or office, taking pictures of random things and asking myself, so what does that make me think of that I've learned about as a therapist? And then I've also started a new Facebook closed group. It's at facebook.com slash groups slash self-work facebook.com slash groups slash self-work. I come and go, but it's a very lively, vital, and meaningful page for the people that are on it. There are folks from all over the world. It's primarily women, but there are a few male members. I welcome everyone. But if you do go over there and look into asking to be a member, please don't forget to answer the questions 
I'm using that as a criteria to know that people are invested enough to take the time to answer the questions. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Take very good care. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self Work.